Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. And so just want to welcome you here today. I'm excited to be jumping into this series. We're in week four of a series we're calling Good News. And the good news is really all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if so, if you have a Bible today, I'm going to actually get you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 to a very familiar passage at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to be talking today about Jesus' words. Last week, Pastor Brent talked about Jesus' works and how it's related to his authority. But Jesus' words are also an expression of his authority, and we're going to talk about that today. And so today, before we jump into this passage, I actually want to work from this premise today. And here's the premise. That Jesus' words are good news. Not because they make me feel good, but because they lead me to a life that is good. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus' words, or the gospel, is not a how-I-feel message. It is a how-I-live message. Uh, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag early. Whenever Jesus talks, whenever he tells a story, whenever he teaches about something, it is always about living. He always speaks about life. You see, good news is actually life news. And that's why I want to start in Matthew chapter 7 as we, as we look at this familiar passage in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and by the way, the Sermon on the Mount, I believe, is probably the greatest composition of teaching of all time by anybody, hands down. And if you have a pen or a pencil, I'm going I'm to actually get you to take it out and circle four words in this text. And so uh, let's take a look at this. We're going to start in verse 24. Jesus is done with this fantastic teaching on life. And look what he says here in verse 24. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's the first phrase I want you to circle. Go ahead. Circle in your Bible right now. Put them into practice. That's a key statement today. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house. Circle the word house. He built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, or the floods rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, you see this story here that Jesus talks about. It's a very familiar story, and he talks about these houses being built by two different types of people, and the streams road, or the flood rises. If you're, if you're in your Bible right now, also circle that, that, that word stream, or, 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 that, or that word flood, d- depending on your translation. And this is a very familiar story, probably for many of us. Many of us who are watching this right now probably grew up in church, and we've heard this on countless occasions. In fact, I remember the first time I heard this, and I'm going to date myself right now, but the first time I actually heard this story was in Sunday school on a flannel graph. Anyone remember flannel graph? Yeah. And so this is a very familiar story, and familiarity can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Like, it can be good because we know it really well, but one thing I know about familiarity is it doesn't always breed contempt, but sometimes it breeds indifference. We just become apathetic to the things that we're familiar to. And so as we dive into this text today, 
One of the prayers I have for us is that we would hear it and see it with fresh eyes and ears. Because this, this word here that Jesus is actually sharing is not just some pep talk. It's not a rally. This is Jesus sharing something that is incredibly brilliant. These words ought to arrest our hearts and souls. This is more like a warning than anything else. So let's dive into the text, and let's look again at verse 24. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's the first thing I want you to know. If you're taking notes and you're on the note guide, I want you to write this down. Jesus says, my words, these words of mine are practical. These words of mine are practical. Now, I know that sounds pretty simplistic and pretty simple and easy, but it's not as easy as you think it is, especially in this cultural climate that we live in. I was reading this book recently called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. He's a sociologist. And he talks in this book about how humans right now in the Western world uh, take information and what they do with information and how they put it into action. And in his book, he says that Westerners right now have a very low information to action ratio. What does he mean by that? He says, not very often do we take the things that we hear and the things that we absorb and the things that we take in and actually put practice behind them. We don't do a lot of active things with the stuff that we hear. Now, he gives three reasons for this, and I don't have time to get into all of them today, but three basic reasons for this, and the first one, which I think is true of our day, is that he says that humans are just inundated with too much information. There's always information coming at us right now. I'm sure you're tuning in on Facebook or YouTube or, or some other platform right now. And you'll notice the draw of information just coming at you. And no, Postman says there's actually way too much information, whether it's good information or bad information. It's all coming at us at the same time, which leads to a second theory. And the second is this, because there's so much information, we don't actually know how to process it. And because we don't know how to process information, we don't often get very emotionally attached to it, which leads to his third thing. Because we're not emotionally attached to something, we don't often do anything with it. We don't put any action behind it. And so we live our lives, a lot of us live our lives taking in and absorbing information, and what it's really doing is going in one ear and out the other. But when we come to Jesus of Nazareth, and we come to his words, and we come to his ways, you need to understand something. Jesus does not allow us to do that. Listen to his words again. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Jesus is saying this. He says, if you want to, to live the good life, then my words can't be just words. My words actually have to become ways. If you want to experience life, what Jesus calls the kingdom of God, his words cannot just pass in one ear and out the other. What, what Jesus is saying is like, you can't just hear my words. You actually have to put them into practice. Now that word practice, that first word that you circled, remember that? That word practice is the word poieto in Greek. Everyone say poieto. Poieto. And poieto, uh, it basically means practice, uh, it means to do, it means to act on, it means to follow, it means to obey. And, and anywhere Jesus is teaching, and anywhere Jesus tells a story, 
there's always a poieto that he drops in. And we see this all through the Gospels and other places in John chapter 14, verse 23. And I love this. Look what, look what John says. And Jesus is actually saying this uh, to his disciples. He says, anyone who loves me will poieto my teaching. Jesus says, actually, the fruit of your life and the fruit of, of your love for me is that you're actually going to practice what I say. And this is a major point that I want to just drive home today. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit on this all day today. But this is a major point that you and I need to understand and come to grips with as we deal with Jesus' words. And it's this. It's not enough for you and I just to sit back and hear a bunch of information about Jesus. Like, it's important to listen to a sermon. That's good. To listen to a podcast. To take notes. To play with the Greek and Hebrew. That's all great, but at the end of it, Jesus says you have to poieto. You actually have to do something about my words. You have to start to work them into the fabric of your life. You have to obey them. Jesus is saying, my words are not just for your mind, they're also for your body. You you don't just hear my words, you also put them into practice. It is not just a mental thing, it is a practical way of life. And this is so important and so key that Jesus actually tells a story along these lines. And I want to look at this story here uh, as we we continue on here. And Jesus says, okay, he says, you got to put my words into practice. And this is what he likens it to. He says, when you put my words into practice, it's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And then we pick up in verse 25. It says, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Again, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus tells this story around his words and the importance of living out and putting into practice his words. And he, and he, and he compares and contrasts two types of people. He calls one person the, the wise person or the wise builder is the one who not just hears the words of Jesus, but puts them into practice. The word wise here, it, it means smart or intelligent or thoughtful. And, it's, and he's compared to one who's called foolish. Uh, the word foolish in the text is, in Greek is the word moros. It's where we get the word moron. It means stupid. And Jesus is actually saying, if you're smart and you're intelligent, you're going to build your life on my words, and you're going to build your life on my ways. Jesus uses this idea of building a house as a way of living out his words in his life. Now, a house in Jesus' day was also a metaphor for life. Isn't that cool? Uh, Let me say that again. A house in Jesus' day was a metaphor for the entirety of your life. Now, a house was different in Jesus' day compared to ours. And really, uh, in three different ways, three major ways. First and foremost, uh, in in Jesus' day, uh, a house was multi-generational. What do I mean by that? Basically, what it meant was, uh, in your house was your entire family. Not just your immediate family. uh, There were your grandparents. Uh, there were your aunts, there were your uncles, there were your cousins all running around in the same 
house. Like I know some of us right now, we're locked in our houses and, and we're going crazy. Think about if we still live that way today. Listen, I love my parents. I love my, my father and mother-in-law, but we would go crazy, wouldn't we? So it's multi-generational. The second thing that is different is that there, there was no real estate in Jesus' day. There was no buying and selling of houses. A, a family lived in a house that had been built there by their ancestors. And so if there's any sort of building at all, it was that they were building onto the house that was already there. But the third thing, and this is really important, the third thing is, is that a house in Jesus' day was not a place where you went to relax or rest. It was actually your place of business. And so if you were a fisherman or if you were a merchant or if you were a farmer, your house was your business. And so when, when Jesus uses this terminology of a wise man building his house, what he's saying is, is that he, he's using this, this terminology as a way of, of, of building your whole life. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, he's, saying, he's saying the wise person is one who builds his life, who puts his life and plants his life on the bedrock, on the foundation of Jesus' words and practicing them. And the foolish man is the one who hears Jesus' words and doesn't do anything about it. Did you catch that? The foolish person is a person who still hears Jesus' words and does nothing about it. As we look a little bit deeper in this, this is where this story gets pretty scary, all right? So basically, from a distance, when you look at these houses, whether it's built on a rock or built on a sand, at face value, they often look the same. They look like the same life. It could be the same person working the same job, going to the same coffee house. You, you both have dogs. You both walk them in the same park. From a distance, you cannot tell the difference of the houses until the flood comes. Until the flood comes. Again, Jesus uses this analogy or this picture of a stream rising or floods coming. And when, when Jesus is teaching this, he's teaching this in a place called Galilee. And Galilee is known for uh, being dry and arid, but they also had these kind of water yetis going through it. And so when it rained in Galilee, it would cause flash flooding. Now that wouldn't be a problem for us today and the way our houses are built, but in Jesus's day, it was a major problem. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you, you have these houses, they look the same, but the flood comes, and when the flood comes, it's going to expose the foundation. Now, what's the flood represent? Many scholars uh, have different opinions about it, but the main line of thought throughout Christian history is that floods represent hardships. It's that diagnosis. It's unemployment. It's the loss of a loved one. It's the death of a dream. It's bad news. It's catastrophe. It's pandemic. Whatever it is, it's a flood. And Jesus actually takes this a step further. And I want you to hear this today because this is real and this is honest talk. Jesus is saying this in this story. It's not a matter of if the flood comes, but when the flood comes. Because the flood will come. He said, you see, floods are not an anomaly to life. They're actually a reality to life. And this is the one thing I love about Jesus. And this is our, my second point. If you're taking notes today, my second point is this. These words of Jesus, Jesus is saying, these words of mine, they're not just practical, they're honest. They're real. They're authentic. 
And Jesus, when he speaks to us, he's brutally honest to us about our human condition, which I hope is like good news to you because we live in a world where it's just all about self-help or, or, or pep talk or trying to rally ourselves up. It's actually a breath of fresh air for someone to actually come and look at us and say, life is really hard. Even on the best of days, life is still hard. And it's true even in the story. Did you notice that the flood comes to the one who builds his house on the rock and the one on the sand. In fact, what Jesus is saying, it doesn't really matter where you're building your house or where you're building your life. Floods are just going to be a part of your life. And many of you who are listening right now, if you had an honest assessment of yourself, you're probably saying to yourself, man, my life is in flood stage. And Jesus is just real about this. He's honest with us about this. But here's the good news here. And this is what Jesus says. If, if your house is built on a rock, there's good news for you, all right? And it's this. Jesus says, if, if you're built on, on me, you're built on a foundation, then my ways and my words don't lead you out of the flood or out of the hardship. It actually leads you through hardship. See, that's good news. It means that my life is still good as the flood waters rise. I may not feel good, but my life is good. And my life is good because Jesus is good. And Jesus is good and my life is good because I've built my house on him. I've built my house on the rock. You see, when the floods come, it's gonna shake, it's gonna shake the house. It's gonna shake your life to its very core. You see, floods reveal where you build your life. And what Jesus says, he says, if you build your house on things like greed or materialism, or, or you build it on competition, or your need to win, or to get ahead, or you build it on sex, or youth, or beauty, or you build it on popularity, on, on likes, and, and if a certain person likes you, or, or if you build it on hedonism, and pleasure, and travel, if you built it on these things, it doesn't matter. The flood will come, and it will expose the foundation of your life. And Jesus says, when you build on these things, instead of his teaching and his ways— he says this, he says, your life, and I quote him, will fall like a great crash. That word great there in Greek is the word megale. It's where we get the word mega. He says that when you build on something other than my life and other my words and my ways, you are going to have a mega crash. And you know, the sad truth is, is that most of us, if not all of us, have had front row seats of people's lives who have self-imploded. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a coworker. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're pretty fortunate. You've never seen anything like this. Well, if you have the internet, just go, just go online. You know, this week, there's probably been another celebrity whose life has imploded, or sports player, or politician, or some great b businessman. And here's the thing, we've all sat and seen lives imploded, and it's not always been about crisis. It's not always been dramatic. It's not always been, uh, been some sort of scandal, but sometimes, and a lot of times, it's just a very slow unraveling. It's a culmination of, a, of an effect of a life that has been built on sand for year after year after year, and it's finally starting to catch up to somebody. You know, the sky is still blue. The house looks great, the, but the foundations are off, and you just can't see it. And Jesus here, he's being brutally honest 
with us. And he says, anyone who hears my words and does not put them into practice, your life is like that of the foolish man who built his house on sand. And here's the point I want to drive home again for all of us. Information does not do this for us alone. Because there is a big difference between knowing something and actually doing something and putting something into practice. And Jesus' vision for your life, for a good life and a whole life, is not based upon an ideology. It's not based upon a set of ideas for you just to ascribe to. It is a way of life. It, it is something that you do with your mind and your body. It is more like a rhythm and a routine than a rule book. I want you to understand and get that today into your mind. This is something that you do with your whole body. Jesus' intention is not to come and just cram more information in your already overstuffed head. No, his end goal is not just to inform your life. His end goal is to transform your life. And it takes more than just information transfer. You can't just think your way to transformation. You can't just sermon your way to transformation. You can't just podcast your way to transformation. And, and I live in that world, and I admit it's great, and it's good, and it's all that, but Jesus says, you have to put my words into practice. You have to poieto. You have to do something about my words. If you want the good life to take root in your life, if you want his life to take root in your life, it is a lifetime of practice. It is not just, I practice this one time. No, no, no. I am walking this out with Jesus. This story, especially in a climate where there's just so, where we just have such a low information to to action ratio in our world, this ought to arrest our hearts. And so I want to ask you this today. Are you or are you not building your life on the way of Jesus, on the practice of Jesus? And maybe you're tuning in today and, and maybe you're asking real questions and you're saying, well, well, that sounds great, Pastor Seth, and, and I don't really believe in Christianity. I don't even know this Jesus very well. And maybe you're asking this question. Maybe you're saying, is Jesus' words worthy enough for me to build my life on them? And maybe you're coming today, and you're just honest with yourself, and you say, well, I've been trying to build my life on this foundation, and I've tried this a little bit over here, and I've noticed that they just, they just don't hold for my life. And maybe you're asking today, and you're saying, you know, uh, how can I know that Jesus' words are worth building on? That's a, such an important question. And the truth is, people in Jesus' day and people today still find that to be true. And we actually see this at the end of our text today. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, Jesus gets done telling this amazing, powerful story. And the crowd is there, and we actually get an inside look at how the crowd responds, responds to him. And this is, what, this is what happens. is When Jesus had finished saying these things— the crowds were amazed at his teaching. You would have been amazed too, by the way. But then, catch this, verse 29, this is important. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. What's, what's going on here? Jesus has authority that is not like his contemporaries. What's different about Jesus' Jesus's authority? Well, he had a special authority. He had a unique authority all unto himself. His words, by the way, all of what we just heard and all, every other word that you ever read that Jesus ever says is fresh and new. And that's the third point I want to give you today. It's this. Jesus would come to you and he'd say, 
the reason you should actually follow me and the reason you should build your life on me is because these words of mine are new. These words of mine come from me. You see, in Jesus' day, a rabbi gained his authority upon the words of another rabbi. Like, uh, his authority was, in, was vested in those who came before him. So often a rabbi, when he taught, would go around and say, well, you know, rabbi so-and-so said this about taxes, or rabbi so-and-so said this about God, or rabbi said so-and-so about this, about adultery or divorce. Not once in the scriptures do we ever see Jesus do this. Not once do we ever see Jesus come along and say, well, rabbi so-and-so said this. No, no, no. When Jesus comes in and Jesus walks in the room, he just says, truly I say to you, boom. Like truth bomb, right? As the, as the youth say, truth bomb, right? And Jesus, listen, I love this. Jesus is not a name dropper. Jesus is a flat out life dropper. Everything that Jesus says, it, it just paints a beautiful picture of reality and life, and it just rings true in the human heart. That is Jesus's authority. And it's not the fact that he just had a title. Pa- last week, Pastor Brent talked about the fact that he had legal authority. He had a title. He's Lord, but his authority also came from the fact that his words were true and his life was true as an example. And just by the sheer fact that what he did and what he said, it just carried weight. That is authority. And his authority was greater than any other rabbi or sage or prophet. You see, Jesus wasn't just the conduit of truth. He was also the source of truth. You see, he, he just wasn't the announcer. He was the announcement. He wasn't just the proclaimer. He was actually the proclaimed. This is why he has the audacity to actually come and talk to you and I today and, 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 and call you to, to build your life on his words. He, he even gets more forthright about this later on in John chapter 14. Look what he says. This is Jesus talking about himself this way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am actually the house that you want to live, live in. That's what Jesus is actually saying. And no rabbi had ever said this before. No rabbi had, would dare come out and say, well, my words are actually more important than the Torah. This would have been blasphemy and complete and utter delusion unless this was God and man in the same body. Unless his authority was rooted not in the fact of someone else's words, but it was rooted in the fact that he was the one that authored the cosmos from the very beginning. Unless you are the one who designed the fabric of human psyche and know how humans are supposed to f- flourish and thrive unless you're the one who can bear the weight of all the sin and forgive the entire world of their sins. Jesus is the only one in the universe to talk about himself this way and be right and justified in doing it. Most of us, we get annoyed with people who talk about themselves this way. But Jesus, because of his authority... He has every right to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, because his words aren't just practical, they're not just honest, they're actually new. No one has ever said them before. Isn't that good news? And as we close today, really, there's a truth that I think all of us need to come to grips with, and that's this. 
Your house is your life. And everybody builds a life. You can't not build a life. You have to build a life. You are building a life. You see, the question isn't, are you building life? The question is, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on the bedrock of Jesus' teachings and and following his ways and practicing his, his ways? Or are you building it on something or someone else? And if you are, let me ask you this question. Can it withstand the flood when it comes? Because the floodwaters will rise. And many people, the Bible says, were amazed by his teaching. They saw it. Not only were they amazed, they began to follow him. And this is the cool part about the gospel, is that this this story is not just a, a good story. It's actually an invitation. It was an invitation to the hearers of that day when Jesus told it. But Jesus, it's not a one-time offer. It's not a one-time invitation. In fact, wherever Jesus goes and whoever he talks to, he's always inviting people to life. There's actually another story in Luke chapter 18 where a rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he's talking to Jesus and he has this question that he asks Jesus. And I want you to pay attention to this language for just a moment. I want you to see this. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. That's an interesting statement. What's he saying? He's saying, good teacher, what must I poieto? That's what I do means. What must I practice to inherit eternal life? Verse 20 says, Jesus says, you know the commands. You know the Torah. It's good stuff. It's important. We all share the same theology, Jesus is saying. You, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. These are all good things. And even the guy says, I, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. But then look at verse 22. Look what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, but there's still lack in your life. It sounds good. It looks good from a distance. But your house, your life is actually still on sand. But you lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Here's the key statement. Come and follow me. Come practice with me. You see these words about selling everything you have and giving to the poor and finding treasure in heaven was not in the Torah. Those were words from Jesus himself offering life to this man. And he's saying, come follow me. The question is, we don't really know if that guy does that on that day or not. But what we do know is that we can choose to follow him today. And as we come to a close, this is my last point for you as well. You see, Jesus' words are not just practical. They're not just honest and truthful. And though they are, and that's great, they're not just new. These words of mine, Jesus would say, they're actually now words. They're today words. And I want to I invite you, even right now, maybe you're just watching this on a stream, maybe you're on YouTube or Facebook or wherever. I want to invite you right now to really make an assessment of your life and ask yourself, am I building my life on sand or am I building my life on the rock? You know what's fascinating about sand? Sand is just little bits, little bits of rock. You ever think about that? You ever consider that? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's not little bits of me. It's not little parts of me. 
And I think it's fascinating. I think there's so many people who, who, who talk about God, and they might have some sort of an idea of God, but that's not enough. Jesus says, hey, if you, if you want to be like the wise men, you have to hear my words, and you have to poieto. You have to do something about them. You have to practice them. And today, I want to give you an invitation. Maybe it's your first time, and you've never, you've never crossed the line of faith. This is the day. You're, it's ringing out in your ear. Jesus is saying, come follow me. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today in just a moment. I have a couple questions I want to ask us as we close today. Here's question number one, and this is for everyone who's listening today. Number one, what are you building your house or your life on? Is it on the rock? Is it on the sand? Maybe it's a little bit of both. And here's the second question I want to give you as well. Are there areas of your life where Jesus has directed you to do? He's actually told you to poeto, and yet you're not doing them. See, I think a lot of people of faith out there are stuck. They're stuck in their life, and they're stuck in their faith because Jesus has actually told you to do something, and yet you've not done it. Maybe it's forgiving that offense of that person. Maybe it's giving something away that you need to give away. Uh, Maybe it's taking on something that you need to take on that Jesus told you to do. You just haven't done it. What are those things that you need that you need to to, to do that Jesus has asked you to do. And we're going to close with this practice. Here's the first practice. Number one, this is what I'm going to ask us all to do this week. Can we do this? We need to take some time this week and assess our lives with Jesus. Be brutally honest with yourself and be brutally honest with Jesus. With his words and teaching, what is your informa- information to action ratio? Has, has his words just been going in one ear and out the other? Are you actually living them out? And like I said before, maybe for some of you, uh, it's been zero. It's been zilch. You're not a follower of Jesus. And I want to give you an invitation right now to even make that commitment, to make that, to make that decision. In fact, why don't we pray together right now as, 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 we, as we come to a close. And I want to pray this prayer. And I want all of us to pray this together. Uh, for those of you who have been followers of Jesus and you practice his ways, and those of you, maybe this is your first time. This is the first step. You've heard the information. You know about Jesus. And now the action step is this prayer. Can we pray together? Let's pray together. King Jesus, today I hear your words and I take my first step into action. I give my life to you. I thank you for your death and your resurrection and the forgiveness of my sins. Teach me to live out your ways today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that we, that, that we, that we receive Jesus by faith and by belief. That, that, we, that, we, that we just, we, it's, a, it's a faith thing. It's an amazing thing. We don't have to work for it. It's not a rule book. It's, that, it's, it's like we just come into fellowship with someone who's always been there, ready to journey with us. That's what it means to come and follow Jesus. And here's the final practice, and this is a bonus practice for us today. It's this. Oh, our bonus practice is this. I want you to reach out to a person or to a group of people and to tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. Ask for encouragement, support, and prayer. And maybe you're here today and you just prayed that prayer. We actually, we actually have set up an online opportunity for you to be able to do that. All you got to do is just go to our website, www.kingschurch.cc Jesus, 
just go there. Type in. Tell, tell us about your experience with Jesus. And this week, someone from our church, a pastor, will reach out to you and we'll be able to connect in person. Well, church, I, I love you. This has been an awesome teaching. It's been a challenging teaching. My prayer for us is that we would go and we would hear the words of Jesus and we would practice them out, that we would be wise men this week and build our lives, build our Mondays, build our Tuesdays, build our Wednesdays, build our Thursdays, build the Fridays, build the weekends on the rock, build our lives on the foundation of Jesus's words and putting them into practice. I love you guys. God bless you. God bless your Sunday. We look forward to seeing you really soon.